Good morning. I'm Morag, I'm one of the home group leaders here at Kingdom Vineyard and I would just like to add my welcome to everybody watching on the live stream or whenever you've managed to catch this. I hope we're all still coping with this strangest of times but I hope that um, you're beginning to manage to see a bit more of family and friends as the lockdown eases. You might be able to tell that I am really looking forward to the hairdressers opening up later this month. If you want the best before and after shot, you should see me today and compare me to when I preached back in April. Anyway, it's all good news. So glad. Today, we're continuing our series in the Psalms called Rest and Reset. I've chosen to speak on my favourite Psalm, Psalm 139, and Ruth is going to read it for us. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord? and abhor those who are in rebellion against you. 
I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is an offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Thank you, Ruth. I'm very proud of myself this morning as I am preaching my first sermon with three points, all beginning with P. They take you aside when you start preaching and it's like entering a secret society and you have to have a sermon that has three points, all beginning with P. I'm kidding. Or am I? Anyway, this morning's three points are presence, pursuit and purity. We'll take these points in turn as themes in this psalm and I'll talk a little bit about why this psalm has been challenging me a lot in the last two weeks and then maybe a practical something that we can do in response. I'd just like to remind you that psalms are poetry and as such their meanings can be ambiguous. With this style of scripture we don't necessarily need to put it in its proper historical context or to understand what it meant to its original audience. The same as with all poetry, what we get out of it is hugely influenced by ourselves, who we are and what we've been through or what we're going through. So today, these are my thoughts and the way the psalm is speaking to me. I hope these will bless you and you will get something out of this talk. But if Psalm 139 means something totally different to you, that's fine too. Let's start with theme one, presence. Verses one to six and verses 13 to 18 are characterized by the theme of God's presence in and knowledge of our lives. Before you were born, he was there and he saw you. Verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. He continues with us, knowing all our ways. He knows when we sit and when we rise. He knows our thoughts and our words before we even see them. His presence surrounds us. Verse 5, you hem me in behind and before you have laid your hand on me. We have a word for this constant, universal presence of God. It's omnipresent. And in this psalm, it is closely related to another omni-word, omniscience, which means all-knowing. Because God is present with us, he knows all about us. One of my favourite all-time verses is verse 14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's a verse I have written everywhere and was especially meaningful for me when I was training to run a marathon. Weirdly, it was what kept me going, praising God for the fact that my legs and lungs were working and could put up with such torture. Creation and nature are a great way to remind ourselves to praise God. But St. Augustine once observed, people go abroad 
to wonder at the heights of mountains, at the huge waves of the sea and at the long courses of the rivers, at the vast compass of the ocean, at the circular motion of the stars, and they pass by themselves without wondering. I had a school friend who um, was an atheist and not just that he didn't believe in God because he hadn't thought about it. This guy had thought about it and come to the considered conclusion there was no God. Our paths crossed again years later and my friend has, had spent some time working offshore and to pass the time when not working had studied various topics with the Open University one module of which included an in-depth study of the human auditory system. And he said to me that the closest he ever came to believing in God was when studying the inner ear. He decided to reconsider his atheist stance and I know he was going to intend an alpha course to ask more questions. We are as human beings an amazing part of God's creation. As much as I love verse 14, and for me it has a sense of thankfulness for my body being in full working order. But what if your body is not in full working order? Can you still praise God for being fearfully and wonderfully made? I'm not going to stand here and tell you it's easy, and of course you should. It's not that simple. But I can tell you that because God is omniscient and omnipresent, nothing that is going on in your body is a surprise to him. He saw you before you were born and all your days were written in his book before one of them came to be. Does this mean that God intended you to be born with a disease or a disability or that your sickness is intended? No, I don't believe that. We live in a broken, fallen world where disease exists. In God's kingdom, it doesn't. But he knows any challenge you are born with and any sickness that comes your way during your lifetime. And his presence will be there with you in dealing with that. And we will pray until Jesus comes again that his kingdom will break through in ever-increasing ways and take away more and more of our sickness. He knows us and he is with us. Theme two, pursuit. Verses seven to 12 for me are about God's relentless pursuit of us. Or probably more accurately, it's about the futility of running away from God. From, from God. Verses 9 and 10 are such beautiful imagery. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your right hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Such poetry. I had a friend whose dad had a little boat named in Gaelic, Wings of the Dawn, from this verse. The Bible has quite a few stories about people trying to run away from God, only to find him in the very place they were running to. Jonah is a classic example. Jonah was a prophet and heard God's voice, but didn't like what he was saying. So decided to do the opposite of what he was asked to do. 
ended up inside a big fish and found God was there. Our home group this week read about another prophet who'd had enough. This time it was Elijah. He was actually running for his life because he had done exactly what God had asked him to do, but Jezebel hadn't liked it. Elijah was a bit hacked off with God about this and took off into the desert. And God met him there as he slept and brought him sustenance and gave him rest. Then what about Paul, who we heard a lot about in our studies in the book of Acts? He is literally accosted by the Spirit of God as he's going about his business, which was um, arresting and killing Christians. God knocks him off his horse to get his attention. These stories and the words of this psalm tell us that there is nowhere you can go where God cannot reach you. You are never so far away from God in your sin and wrong that he can't reach you. You are never so far in depression and darkness that God cannot reach you. Verse 12 says, darkness is as light to him. You are never flying so high or so low that God doesn't notice you. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're listening in today, can I encourage you to ask, uh, talk to a Christian friend or even email us here at Kingdom Vineyard. Ask your friends or the folks here how God got through to them, how they were pursued by God's love and God's presence. I'm confident that every one of them will have a story to tell. And I hope that in this psalm, you will also hear God speaking to you, telling you that there is nowhere you can go where he cannot reach you with his love and protection. And lastly, purity. In having a look online for ideas for this sermon, I noticed that a lot of the talks and articles on Psalm 139 dealt with verses 1 to 18 and made no mention of verses 19 to 24. This is the embarrassing relative of a section of this psalm. It's the one we don't like to mention. But the verses are there and we can't ignore them. And this is where it gets difficult and uncomfortable for me. I'm not sure I could have talked about these verses with any depth of understanding until this week. And this has only come about through two very uncomfortable and upsetting work situations. Again, this section comes with the caveat that this is what I am bringing with me to the reading of this psalm with the hope that it will be helpful to others. If we take this section as a whole, I think we can read it as a reaction to a false accusation or feeling of being wronged. The anger and indignation in verse 19, if only you would slay the wicked, O God. And then the self-justification in verses 21 and 22. Do I not hate those who hate you? I count them as my enemies. Then the appeal for justification from God in verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. 
in a couple of situations in the last two weeks, I have felt accused of being something less than the person I would hold myself to be. One of the challenges of our COVID-19 situation is the lack of face-to-face -face meetings and having to communicate more via email, especially in work situations. The opportunities for misunderstanding have increased enormously. Add that to the mix of an already stressed and anxious workplace and it is a potential powder keg. And I have experienced a couple of explosions in the last few weeks. I can totally echo the psalmist here. Here is my paraphrase of verses 19 to 24. Oh, come on, God. Could you not just get these people out of my life? You know that their intentions are not good or pure. Can you just deal with them? And you know that I love you, right? That my intentions have been completely pure. I only want you to deal with them because their intentions are wrong. But then again, was I right? Were my intentions pure? Lord, you know me better than I know myself. If I've got this wrong, will you show me? Will you show me how to put this right and set me back on the right path with you? God's presence and pursuit of us demands purity in return. In the light of verses 1 to 18, we need to end with verses 23 and 24. There is no point in us hiding anything from God. We cannot run away to anywhere where you cannot find us. He knows our thoughts and our words before we see them. We cannot cover up our actions, our motives or our emotions. So we may as well bring them all before him, warts and all. My home group will tell you that in our discussions over the last wee while, we've talked about the spiritual discipline or, or practice of the daily examine. I think it's actually been raised by me in these discussions. However, they will also tell you I am not a fan. The daily examine is a practice of taking time with God to review your day or last few hours or your week or whatever. Looking at times where you've noticed God's hand at work and praising him for that and also acknowledging where you may have not done so well and asking for forgiveness, amongst other things. Now, my inner monologue is very self-critical. And I do not need to give it any more ammunition or any more attention. That road can lead to unhelpful anxiety. So I have a natural disinclination towards the examine. In actual fact, it's probably a stronger emotion than that. It it's, may even be fear. However, as this has come up for me yet again, I'm beginning to get the feeling that perhaps God is highlighting this for me and maybe through this psalm for some of you too. There are some really good resources available on the Vineyard Church's UK and Ireland website 
which include a card detailing the steps of the exam, which you may have seen at church before lockdown, but is available to download from the website. And there's also a video from one of the spiritual direction team guiding you through the process. I personally recommend the resources of, for the daily exam for kids. I don't have kids, but with my mental block in this area, it actually really helped me to have it explained in a very accessible way. I want to get my head around this in a way that is helpful. And I think I'm beginning to understand that it's not about me beating myself up about things I've done wrong, or that God is a headmaster or a cranky boss just waiting to pull me up over my mistakes. God wants me, he wants us, to be healthy, happy and whole. And that takes dealing with mistakes, feelings and emotions. We can get ourselves in an awful fankle, which is a Scottish word that just means complicated mess. So we can get ourselves in this fankle when we try to deal with these sorts of things by ourselves. Why would I not take everything to the God who knows all about them and loves me anyway? And rather than stewing in my own negative thoughts, make the time and space to listen to what God has got to say about things, which I know will be of infinitely more help in the long run. So, if you're brave enough, why don't you stand with me and I'll pray verses 23 and 24 over us. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen.